There's a line in every city that separates the rich from the poor, the strong from the weak, the haves from the have-nots. It's a street, the train tracks, a river, a sidewalk. It's time to cross the line. Serve the City is a global movement of volunteers showing kindness in personal ways to people in need. We are the connection between the good intentions and talents of people who could volunteer and a meaningful opportunity to get involved. Serve the City is for everyone. It's a revolution, a serving revolution. And it's going to change the world. Cross the line, serve the city. This is Serving Stories, a podcast by Serve the City. Hi, I'm your host, Ani Deal. Welcome to today's episode, where we cross the line in Tallinn, Estonia. If you boarded a ferry in the Baltic seaport of Tallinn, Estonia, and sailed west, you could dock in Stockholm, Sweden in about 15 hours. The same amount of time spent sailing east would take you to St. Petersburg, Russia. The Baltic state of Estonia for centuries has existed in this uneasy tension between west and east. Having spent much of the Middle Ages ruled by Denmark and Sweden, Tallinn then spent centuries under Russian domination. After brief independence during the 1920s and 1930s, Estonia became a Soviet Socialist Republic in 1940. But Estonia turned its sails westward once more in 1990. It is now part of the European Union, having left the USSR in a peaceful revolution. However, when we visit Tallinn in May 2019, it sounded like maybe another revolution was in the works. I started as a black shirt in 2015. Yeah, I was a black shirt. My motivation for being a black shirt... I was actually asked if I could now become a black shirt. Who are these black shirts? What is their goal? Are they trying to take over Tallinn? The name black shirt conjures up images of a fascist paramilitary group complete with straight arm salutes. But these young people are part of a different kind of revolution. A serving revolution. Lauri Loida, the director of Serve the City Estonia, explains who these black shirts are. You can become a black shirt by first volunteering. We have a rule that you can't become a black shirt unless you have volunteered at least twice as a, well, we call them blue shirts. I always say to the black shirts that they are the face of Serve the City. It turns out that the normal t-shirt color for Serve the City volunteers in Tallinn is a kind of turquoise blue, the same blue as in the Estonian flag. However, project leaders, the ones responsible for taking volunteers into their serving experience, wear t-shirts of another Estonian flag color, black. In the beginning of events, we always say, you know, look around you, there are some people with the black shirts, they are the ones who are prepared this uh, day for you. Uh, they are like uh, uh, human Wikipedias. So if you have any question, whether it's about the project, about Service City, or really anything, you know, you can ask them. One of the main goals of a Tallinn black shirt is to make sure that the volunteers they are leading feel worthwhile in what they do and connected to others. 
they need to make sure that everybody who comes as a volunteer, they feel welcome. They feel as we want them to be part of our family. We really value who they are and what they have to offer as a volunteer. And I think this is the key main thing that, that everything starts with. And a black shirt is not only responsible for relating to the group of volunteers going on a project. They are also the principal serve the city liaison for whichever association is receiving the volunteers. We want every black shirt to be responsible for one partner. So ideally they would be the one who would even find a social partner. Lauri recounted a story of how one previous black shirt had come to him with a project idea. Uh, there was a black shirt called Alexandra who came to me saying that uh, there is this cool organization called Center for Disabled People and it would be really awesome if we could partner with them and do something. So I gave her a task to look for uh, a contact for a partnership. We went and met with this uh, man. I brought Alexandra along. Uh, I talked about our organization, uh, then Alexandra talked a little bit what her thoughts are, how we could partner, what kind of activities we can do after he had said what they do uh, in the center in general. After agreeing with the man that they would come up with a date for a specific project, Lauri told him that from then on, Alexandra would be his direct contact. Sometime we would have an event and we would ask all the black shirts that, okay, what kind of projects should we have at this event? And Alexandra would say, uh, I would like to take a group to the disability center. And uh, she would write up a description of what she's planning to do, how many volunteers can come. Uh, she would contact the center herself and uh, we would just put it on our registration and, and, and that would be it. And later she would just report how it went, what did they do, and, and, and yeah, that's all. I have to just monitor how well it goes. Listening to the level of responsibility required from a black shirt, you might expect that they are all people of quite mature age, in their 30s at least. But in reality, most of them have been students, some at university and some of them still in high school. Joel Mayer, an American living in Tallinn who is also a former black shirt, described watching these young people take on this liaison responsibility. Developing that skill as a teenager, especially, um, was, was just amazing. And, and to watch, you know, if they would make their first phone call and they're so afraid, but now three or four times into it, that the, the confidence that they developed, they, they really, you know, could stand on their own and, and take this further. And then not just to liaison between that organization, but now they're gonna bring a group of volunteers and they're gonna lead those volunteers through that project. Um, that's, that's just something, in my, in my opinion, that's priceless. So why is it that there are so many young Estonians in Serve the City? Serve the City's demographic is mainly young people, university age or younger, and we are having really hard time recruiting older people for multiple reasons. One reason, of course, is like a practical that older people they had there have families, uh, time is deficit, so that's normal. But on the other side, there's a big mentality gap because my parents' generation is the one that has spent more time in the Soviet time than in the free democracy. And what they get from the Soviet time is the mentality that why should I help somebody else if, if I need help? And that really passes on to the to today. 
that it's not common to solve other people's needs if I have so many. It seems that this leftover communist mindset is difficult to shake. Tallinn is a city where there's a lot of people who are stuck in their mentalities and stuck with the idea that the state is going to take care of you. Uh, whereas today in the capitalist society, you need to be more uh, entrepreneurial, more uh, take care of yourself. There's a big problems with alcoholism that kind of come from the cultural side from Soviet times. Uh, there's a very big depression problem, uh, loneliness problem, because back in the Soviet times you couldn't trust anybody, including your family members, so you're all on your own. So the, the, the trusting is a big thing. When you walk on the streets, you don't see anybody smiling. Because if you do smile, you will stand out and people will think, how did you escape from the mental hospital? Uh, so there must be something wrong with you. When you hear Lauri describe the kinds of things that happened in Estonia under the communist regime, this level of distrust becomes more understandable. There was a time when uh, there was a mass deportation to Siberia of Estonians and uh, the reasons to deport people was like almost like it was ridiculous. Uh, somebody was thinking something bad about Stalin immediately put on a train and sent to Siberia along with their families or sometimes without their families. Normally you would be taken away if a neighbor told on you or somebody that you pissed off told on you and it, there was no proof needed or anything, it's just somebody told and immediately were taken to Siberia. Estonians, however, were not the only people being moved from country to country. But equally as many people were sent from Russia to Estonia and the idea was for the Soviet Union to be more united, uh, so you wouldn't have the separate nations, especially Estonians were quite stubborn, so they would send a lot of uh, Russian natives here so that the cultures would mix, the Estonian uh, identity would fade away a little bit, we would be more patriotic to, towards uh, Soviet Union. So the generation that we have here today, uh, they were all born here, it's their home, uh, but Russia is their mother tongue, so they would they would love to be respected for that. Today in Tallinn, Russian-speaking people make up close to half of the population. Ethnic Estonians, who speak their own Estonian language, the official language of the country, constitute the other 50%. As you might imagine, this has created some issues, particularly as a large proportion of the older Russian speakers have never learned to speak Estonian. And uh, uh, integration in the society isn't really going very well, mainly because of politics, I would say. It's good for politicians if they don't really mix, because then uh, one party, political party, can get all the votes of the whole Russian population. And yet, in spite of this historic division in the population, Joel tells us that the attitudes of young people are not the same as their parents. The Russian-speaking kids, they spoke Russian and Estonian and English, so they could just kind of navigate wherever they wanted to. I would say that the, that the younger generation doesn't carry the same uh, weight or chip on their shoulder that, that maybe the generation before them did. And so what we saw were Estonians and Russians and then internationals just all working together toward a common goal. And there was a lot of camaraderie. 
My yes, my native language is Russian, but uh, I've learned Estonian since I was a really small child. So both languages are basically my mother tongues in a way. This is Makar, a former black shirt now living and working in the city of Tartu, a couple of hours away from Tallinn. We interviewed him over Skype. I think that uh, there used to be a gap between Estonians and Russians maybe 20 years ago, but right now it's not that big and people have gotten used to each other, at least uh, between people of my age. Like many of the black shirts, Makar became a Serve the City volunteer at a pretty young age. I started as a black shirt when I was 15 and uh, I've been doing that till I was 19, so basically for four years. If young people like Makar don't share the same views about the ethnic divide as their elders, they're also beginning to question the deprivation mentality as well. This is because they live in one of the fastest growing economies in the European Union, with the New York Times calling Tallinn the Silicon Valley of the Baltic Sea. We were, in fact, able to speak to Makar thanks to one of Estonia's most famous startups, Skype. And he now works for another Estonian startup, Taxify, the largest ride-sharing platform in Europe. It used to be known as Taxify, but now it's called Bolt, so it's this taxi app coming from Estonia. Uh, I will be doing customer support right now, so basically helping people out if they have any difficulties with the app or with the taxi or drivers have any problems, so something like that. They're very well off, they have everything they need, they have good health, good education, good future. The changing circumstances have made young people in Tallinn more open to volunteering and serving others. For younger kids or students and, and youth, it's, it's completely different. They, don't, they, they know the historical facts, how everything was deficit, but they don't feel it. They never lived through it. So if we introduce the idea of volunteering uh, to the youth, it's, they are, very often they are uh, naturally attracted to the idea. They see the value in in yeah being more open, being more caring, uh, sharing what they have, and uh, trying to make the society better. Uh, seeing that this would, in the long run, change their own lives as well. Mina olen Kristiina, serve the city vabadahtiks. Ma annan inimestele esma abi. In 2013, Estonian TV made a short documentary on Serve the City Tallinn and focused on a black shirt named Christina. The clip you just heard is of Christina introducing herself in that documentary. Lauri also told us about Christina. Yeah, there was this black shirt, Christina, who at one event they just showed up with her uh, boyfriend. I think their first project was a Christmas special. It was a project uh, where we actually didn't know if anybody was going to show up because it was held on Christmas Eve. The reason they weren't sure if anyone would show up was that in Estonia, Christmas Eve is the day when families have their family dinner, open presents, and maybe go to church. But they knew that at the Children's Social Center, where they did some projects, kids wouldn't have any celebration. It was no different from any other day. Like there was not going to be a lot of gifts. There was not going to be any like decorations. There was not going to be like what we take so for granted, like family coming together. We would have gingerbread, uh, two kilos of icing per person per day. You know, kids running around because of sugar rush. And we know that children they don't have that, they're, and they are very poor and living in a, in a social house. So we thought, okay, let's let's try and offer that 
sense of family to the lonely and also maybe something for the kids and uh, to our surprise it was one of our like more like popular projects we had i don't remember exactly how many but maybe 50 people show up that day and two of those were christina and and her boyfriend and they really really loved it they just stayed they started coming to the regular soup kitchen project. After Christina had volunteered a few times, some of the leaders proposed to the core team that she should be invited to be a black shirt. The process to become one, however, was not just a case of being asked and accepted. If somebody recommends you, then I interview them, uh, basically to make sure we know who we are dealing with, but also that they know what they're dealing with. Like if you do become a black shirt, we do try and keep high standards uh, meaning that we do expect all of the black shirts to uh, participate in the planning of the events, uh, participate in trainings, always be the example in like showing up before the actual time, being the last to leave, help out with everyone, being the hosts of all the events. And if the prospective black shirt passes this interview, there is still another hurdle to cross. There are a couple of uh, people here who want to become black shirts. I would like to invite uh, Martin and Christina. You know, you, you can't become a black shirt unless all the other black shirts accept you and the decision has to be unanimous. And uh, all the black shirts have an opportunity to ask any question they have uh, to the new candidate. And, you know, they can be hard questions, they can be funny questions, embarrassing questions that they have to answer and answer honestly. And then uh, we have uh, secret voting after the uh, intense questioning. In the documentary, we can follow Christina taking the plunge, literally, into becoming a Serve the City black shirt. Yeah. Now it's the moment of truth. Is it just that you want to do some good or do you actually trust the team that you want to do good with? And then if all the, the votes are positive, then uh, they will have to do the leap of faith, which means they have to jump down from something quite high with their back first and trust that all the other black shirts have their backs and uh, they will catch them when, when they fall. So that's the kind of ritual we have. Christina had volunteered with Serve the City at a soup kitchen before she became a black shirt. Now, as a leader, she proposed an idea she had for a companion project there. It was based on another need she had noticed among the homeless people, a need that she had unique qualifications to meet. And uh, Christina, being this uh, uh, medical student, she immediately noticed that there was this need in soup kitchen that people come with, you know, broken skins, bruises, uh, and they have either beaten up or they have fallen, but they don't really have any medical help. And I thought that her with the medical uh, education, that maybe she can do something. And so we developed this uh, first aid project where we uh, just bought a lot of like first aid stuff, like bandages and other medical equipment so that we can uh, clean the wounds and help them at least a little bit. And yeah, she was really, really good at it too, because she was really compassionate, really loved the people there and, and found a, a way to... Uh, not only practice for her education, but lead others in, in the same area. 
You can hear that kind of leadership in the documentary as Christina briefs her volunteer team before heading out. What you need to do is also just clean the wound and uh, put it on the, uh, how you call this, napkin? Uh, gauze. <laughs> yeah, gauze, okay. Put it on and then leave it again. It's also like sort of antiseptic. It's uh, old school stuff. <laughs> Бывший депутат Российской Федерации. And the interesting in soup kitchen is that half of the clients, or more than half of the clients, are all Russian speakers. And for volunteers like myself and a lot of others who were there, it's a huge barrier, like a wall between us, because we can't really ask, how can we serve you? What's wrong? Because, you know, what if they answer and then we don't understand? It's even worse. But Christina, her uh, family spoke uh, Russian, so she spoke fluent Estonian and fluent Russian, and uh, and that really gave her the boost uh, of confidence to really tackle this, I think, unique need in our city. And at first, it was kind of weird. We had only like few people who uh, were willing to have themselves look at by our <laughs> professional <laughs> medical student um, but in the end there was a lot of people who came to the soup kitchen just for the first aid corner they just wanted to get them uh, their wounds uh, cleaned and they already knew that they would come back next week to change the bandages or, or stuff like that okay then I want the brown thing again I'm going to need a big bandage stretchy one and the strange thing is, uh, in Estonia the medical uh, system is quite good. Uh, even the homeless people without any social security, they have uh, a hospital that they can go to for first aid. And we started giving out flyers or information about that because we figured that nobody knows about this because everybody comes with <laughs> bloody faces and bloody knuckles and stuff. Uh, and when we gave our first like flyers, they were like, oh, no, no, I'm not going there. Because in there, they treat me like the scum of the earth. And we realized that it's not just the practical medical help that we are giving uh, with this uh, serving. It's the compassion, the, the respect, the dignity, that we really want to help them and to really want to uh, like, yeah, treat them like they deserve the help. It just shows the, the value that, that serving uh, people like this has, uh, that we treat them yeah, with, with uh, humility and treat them with respect first and, and hopefully we can do something practical as well. Christina graduated as a midwife, married and moved away from Tallinn to rural Norway. But the inspiration of what she started as a black shirt continues even today. On the May weekend we were in Tallinn, the team had a small project planned for Serve the City's Global Volunteer Day, which also happened to be a national Clean Up Estonia Day. We arrived at the co-working space Serve the City uses a little bit early to meet another long-time Tallinn blackshirt. My name is Marilis and I, at the moment, am home with my two little children. One is one and a half, almost two, and the other one is two months. 
And I have been uh, with Serve the City for uh, 10 years now. Marilis happens to be Lauri's wife, and they initially got to know each other as young students volunteering for Serve the City. So I uh, attended the very first Serve the City Italian event, and it was very new and very exciting. Uh, the first event, I cleaned the rooms, well, me specifically, I cleaned the toilets at the Salvation Army. And I came back, well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, I'm an introvert, so I got to be alone in the toilet and clean it the whole time. Anyone who is willing to come back after spending a whole afternoon cleaning toilets is definitely black shirt material. There was this big party afterwards with food and like uh, games and like a photo booth and like everything. So that was where the social part was. <laughs> so I got to be alone during the serving part and uh, do my thing. And then afterwards, there was this party, which was very, very cool. And I think that's why everybody came back. Even the introvert at the party discovered that she loved volunteering. She became a regular part of the team, helping with some of the behind-the-scenes organization. I started out cleaning toilets, and then I came to each of the events that happened afterwards. There was one that I missed because I was doing my final exams in high school, and I couldn't come that day. But... Um, other than that, I came to each one, and then uh, there was this event in June where it was like a three-day event. And I think one of the projects was uh, that we went to help clean um, elderly people's windows who were living in their own homes, but uh, they weren't doing very well. Unbeknownst to Marilis, her volunteer experience was about to morph into something much more challenging than cleaning toilets. And since these were small groups who went around town everywhere, uh, we didn't have enough black shirts. So I was actually asked if I could lead uh, this team just the beginning of this day in the morning, if I could now become a black shirt. It was very, very scary. <laughs> Joel, the American former black shirt, had told us just the day before about this exact same thing happening to an unnamed volunteer. Say this, so there was, there was actually somebody on the senior leadership team uh, who also was a black shirt, and they, um, they weren't even necessarily really event-oriented. Um, they were more um, back-end, sort of helping with finances and things like that. And at one point, we had an event coming up, and there wasn't somebody, there wasn't a black shirt to fill a, a role for a certain project. And so we asked, and, and I would say borderline required that this person step out of their comfort zone. Because they were a black shirt, and they, they had that character, they stepped up. It turned out that the black shirt he described to us was Marilis. And just because she stepped up, though, it didn't mean that she wasn't terrified. Well, first of all, I had never led anything or anyone. Um, it was also scary because these were people that I didn't know. It was complete strangers. It was very scary because I don't like talking to strangers. <laughs> and I, <clears throat> 10 years ago, I didn't like it at all. I would have uh, liked if I could have just run away and not even participate in that event. They were assigned their team, you know, during the event and, and led the team. That was another big thing. How can I get all these people that don't know each other to become a team and to follow and all these? But, uh, but we, you know, we had the icebreakers and we had just a couple things to help get through that. 
the leading was scary because uh, I, I was the youngest person in that group and I was the leader. And also they knew that I had never led any of the groups and it was my first time and they were all older than me. But that meant also that I didn't have to do much leading because they were grown-ups <laughs> and they knew what was going on. I just had to know the logistics and the facts and I didn't have to be like all, you know, leadery. So, but afterwards, I think, yeah, that first step was just that I had now done it once and it was that much easier to then do it the next time. So anyway, um, then, you know, went to the project. Two hours later, they came back and, and during our, our after party, um, she was just smiling, just gleaming because this was, this was a fear that had been overcome. And next time that it came up, she volunteered right away to do this project. Marilise was not the only Blackshirt who had stepped up to leadership as an introvert either. I think leading other volunteers, does, it does require courage that it doesn't when you're just a volunteer. We've seen in some Blackshirts that we've had who also have come in as very quiet introverts. There was this one guy, uh, Makar, who uh, when Lauri said that there's this guy who wants to become a lecturer and he's been coming to all of our events for a year. Nobody knew uh, who he was talking about because he was so quiet and like, I, I don't think anybody really knew him. Maybe one person who said, oh, I think he was in my group once. Makar was the guy you heard on the Skype call earlier in the podcast. The guy who now does customer relations for Taxify. And now... I think he, at his work, he also does like workshops and things for people. So he has to perform publicly, which is weird. <laughs> so he was also this introvert, very silent, very quiet guy um, who turned out to be a great leader. We asked Marilise how this experience as a young person had impacted her life 10 years later. Uh, I think leading projects are actually leading people has helped me develop courage because I have had to interact with a lot of people that I wouldn't normally choose to and I would have to explain what we do and why we do it which has helped me later in life <laughs> you know some years later because I that's what I have to do at work as well I have to explain a bit more complicated concepts to people who don't always understand or they already have an understanding in their head that's not the way that it actually is. I do trainings um, on radiation safety uh, and I have to talk to nurses and doctors and um, other hospital staff about how radiation works, what it is, how it affects your body, what you can do to make sure that you're safe and your patient is safe. So I have had to sort of start with things that are logical and simple and talk to strangers about those things and now I talk about more complicated things. <laughs> uh, yeah, Certain City has been a good uh, sort of stepping stone for that, that I have to explain things and what we do and why we do it. A small group of other volunteers had arrived and we joined them to prep for the project. 
we all receive window cleaning materials because today we hope to brighten the outlook of a mental health center in Tallinn. Lauri briefs us as he hands out our squeegees, gloves and spray bottles of window cleaner. Yeah, today's project is part of uh, a global volunteer day that Serbia City International is, is organizing for the second year, which means that at the same time as we are volunteering today, there are 17 other cities that are doing something all around the world. And we have a, a saying in Serbia City that many people doing small things together can make a big difference. And uh, it's, a, it's a good sign that we are doing something small here, but there are 17 other cities all around the world that are doing something. Uh, and that can make a huge difference in, in the world. Not to mention the thousands of volunteers who are cleaning up Estonia today. Cleaning windows, however, was not the only task assigned to our team. And we have a task. So Service City uh, has six core values, which are humility, compassion, respect, courage, love and hope. They're all great values. So our job today is to pick one of these values and somehow capture the essence of this value on a photograph and then post it on the Facebook page of Service City International. On the project, we talked to yet another Serve the City Tallinn Blackshirt. My name is Mauri and I've been with Serve the City Tallinn for about four or five years. We asked Mauri about what kind of projects he had participated in and led. Uh, the first one was the soup kitchen and then on mostly things that evolved uh, children and social houses, projects like that. As a black shirt, I've uh, mostly done a little bit of marketing and mental health center in Tallinn. This was the mental health center where we were cleaning windows today. We also asked Maori about his favorite projects and what they entailed. My favorite projects uh, involve children. The usual things that we do in the social center is uh, usually we play board games, uh, do some handicraft play different social games, but uh, mostly I think it's sort of very hectic. When you go there, the day sort of plans itself out. During the weekend mornings, it's uh, sometimes it's uh, sort of hard to get up or you feel a little bit tired. But when you go to the event and get to be part of the energy involved, then it's totally worth it. And as it turns out, one of the other volunteers on the project, Daria, had at one time been one of those children at the social center that the Serve the City teams had played with. My name is Daria. I am 15 years old. I speak Russian and Estonian. Daria felt a little shy about speaking to us in English, so Lauri stepped in to interpret for her. We asked her what it was like for her when the volunteers came to the social center. I was eight years old uh, and I was uh, attending the social house or day center and every month I was waiting for the day that the volunteers would come and when they did I felt like I was the most important person in the room so I would grab all the volunteers to play with me and uh, spend time with me. 
so they played all kinds of games with us and did different uh, activities. It was just always so much fun. <laughs> of course, we were very curious to find out how someone that served the city had previously served had now become a volunteer herself. Lauri came to our school to talk about it and then I immediately told teacher I want to go and volunteer there and so here I am. I've been back to the same social house to play with the children and do same activities that they did with me. We were also curious to see if there was a particular black shirt that had had an influence on Daria that she remembered as special. She replied with no hesitation. Makar really stood out for him because uh, he was always optimistic, always happy, and he never said or did anything uh, that would make somebody else sad or put down, you know. This was the same introverted Makar that Marilis had mentioned just a little earlier, before we headed out on the project. Lauri told us a little more of the story of how he got involved after being proposed as a black shirt. I, of course, uh, met with him. And yeah, he was, I was a little bit scared myself because back then we really thought that we were looking for the leadership characteristics that, you know, you were expecting. And he didn't have like any of them. He was, he was shy. His uh, speech was like his dictation wasn't very good. Uh, he was a native Russian speaker. So his Estonian was kind of laggy. It almost felt like he was stuttering and he was always like looking down a little bit, really like bad posture. You know, for some reason, he, you know, he still checked all the boxes, so we said, okay, you know, give it a shot. Remember, Makar was only a teenager at the time, and it was a shot that was worthwhile for a lot of children, not the least of whom was Daria. So he was the quietest guy when he was at our events and Blackshirt meetings. But once I went with him to one of the children's projects, and as soon as uh, he stepped uh, into the building, all the children like screamed his name, ran to him and hugged him and, and he was a completely transformed person. He was like happy and active and positive, like uh, really, and he could like influence the children. Like whatever he said, you know, everybody would do. He was fun. And then, you know, that's where, where you see what the real value is of, of people. You know, you don't have to be this, you know, great speaker among uh, your peers or other adults, but if you have uh, compassion for a particular group of people, then, uh, you know, you have to excel there. And Makar was a really, really good example of that. This made us curious to talk to Makar as well, even though he no longer lives in Tallinn. He described to us what the Children's Social Centre was like. The children that I used to do projects for, they, well, yes, they have different backgrounds. Some of them, for example, came from a rather huge families where the parents couldn't, well, afford a dinner for everyone, or maybe some... Uh, place where children could study. Then some of the kids got there because they had a problem with the police or, or with had some legal issues. For example, they still in the school. Some kids just had trouble at school, so they needed some extra help and they couldn't afford it for money. So they could come to the center and get help with their homework or with their studies. We told him how Daria remembered him and how she had said her favorite day of the week was when he came to the center. Oh, that's nice to hear. I remember her. Uh, she was one of those kids that were from pretty big families. There were, I think, five of the children in the social center. She was the second oldest one. And at least in the beginning, she was pretty shy and she didn't want to talk to us that much. But then she 
grew up on us and was really uh, helpful in a way that, for example, when I was trying to help some older children out, she was helping the younger ones because she saw that I wasn't able to manage it all. That attitude of helping the younger ones, that has stuck with Daria. We asked her what her dreams were for the future. I would like to be a pediatrician. She wanted to be a pediatrician or actually a doctor when she was a, a small child, but now she sees how the pediatricians today, they don't really care about the children. When they come and complain about something, they say, well, I don't know, but she wants to be the one who really cares for each child and help them some way. In the meantime, Daria has a more immediate dream, inspired by her friend Makar to become a Serve the City Tallinn black shirt one day very soon. But when she was eight, it was the first time that we started going there. And that's when she met Makar. And now it's seven years later and she has uh, taken the first opportunity to come and, and volunteer with us. I know she really hopes to become a black shirt one day and maybe take over the work from Makar. I guess that yes, she'll be a really great volunteer and uh, black shirt. Uh, so far, she has already been involved with organizing uh, volunteers going to the same center that she's been part of for, for a very long time. Like She knows how much it meant for her, so she knows how much it can mean for the other kids there. So she really wants to make sure that this continues. Very often it just seems, you know, what's the big deal? We're going to go and just play with the kids and just spend a few hours with them and then leave. Uh, you know, how much good can that do, you know? But examples and people like that really show you there's so much more to this activity that they do, that spending time with them, uh, showing that you care about them, uh, showing kindness and compassion, it, it really changes their lives because it's the only place maybe that they, they get this. They don't get it from their parents, they don't get it from the social workers, they don't get it from the society for sure. So. The volunteers and, and, and the black shirts, they are the only source of, of this kind of positivity and, and respect that they, they desire. And the people that are served are not the only ones changed. The ones serving, the black shirts themselves, often find a serving revolution has occurred inside of them. I think Serve the City changed my, or like being a black shirt changed my life quite a lot because when I came to Serve the City, I was a teenager who had really strong opinion on the world. And well, to be honest, I'd say that maybe I even have beliefs that uh, well, people who are having hard times deserve it or they've done something wrong. So that's why their life is like this. But joining Serious City, hearing different stories, seeing completely different people, changed this opinion really fast. And after Serious City, I've become much more, I think, helpful, maybe noticing and trying to see actual people behind their problems. Even at work or, I don't know, in the streets, seeing the people that need help and understanding that you are the one who can do that, it's pretty great. And I'm really thankful for that. Once the small team cleaning windows in the mental health center is finished, it's time to tackle that global volunteer day picture Lauri told us about in the briefing. And the value they choose is courage. Partly, this is because we've spent the few hours there dangling out windows and standing on ledges. But it may also be because it takes guts to volunteer. It takes guts to lead people. But when you do, 
the rewards are huge. In a culture where distrust has been ingrained for decades, maybe even centuries, connection is forged through that courage. I think people want to become black shirts because they want to be part of making a difference. They want to feel that what they are doing has an impact. And um, to be honest, I think maybe even bigger reason is uh, their own need for belonging. Uh, black shirt group is a really more like a family and uh, uh, not just a team or, a, or organization, but it's, it's definitely like a family. It's like their best friends are other black shirts. And strangely, this need for longing is, is it's huge. It's huge for young people. Probably they couldn't even articulate what it is about Service City or what it is about being a black shirt that they love so much. But I think it is the need to, to belong, the need to be accepted, the need to be valued, the need to be needed. I'm here with Carlton Deal, founder and CEO of Serve the City International. Hi, Carlton. Hi, Annie. So we just listened to a really interesting episode about Tallinn, Estonia, where we saw black shirts hard at work in many different areas. What for you stands out from this story? Yeah, thank you. It really inspiring. So great to listen to the story from, from Tallinn and to, to hear Lowry and his team and the way they expressed serving in Tallinn. You know, in Serve the City, we use this word that we're, we're not always sure how, how to think or feel about it, um, but, but you can hear it in, in the Tallinn story, and it's the word revolution. Um, when we wrote our manifesto at the beginning, we said it's a serving revolution. And, uh, and in some cities in the world, that, 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 I don't know, that matters more than others. And it does seem in an Estonian context that that's an apt word to use. Um, you know, when you think about the gap between the, the Russian culture and the, Esto and the Estonian culture there, when you think about the, uh, the mindset of older people and younger people, um, and, and then just the simple act of serving, how revolutionary it can be actually to form new culture. So I think this is really important to us because what we see around the world in cities is that the biggest problem is that relationships are broken or that they, uh, they're, they're, they're not even existing. So I, I, yeah, I found it really exciting. A serving revolution that is indeed inspiring. And I wonder, in this particular story, what value of Serve the Cities is conjured up for you? What would you say embodies this particular episode? Yeah, I mean, if uh, people have listened to previous podcasts and knew that question was coming, they probably could pick this for themselves. <laughs> I, think I, I think I have to go with courage. Um, it's a word that's used several times in this podcast, and but it's interesting here because it's used on by the individual. It's the young person who sees something in their city, in their culture, sees people who are in need, and then chooses to to be courageous and not only get involved, but step up and step out and take leadership. Um, in this case, this black shirt community that Lowry described to us and all around the world, um, project leaders are the key people in a city. They, they take, you know, a dozen or, or 10 or so people into a serving opportunity and shepherd them through that experience. And, and that is really transformational. So I just applaud the courage of, uh, of these black shirts in Tallinn. 
and indeed is transformational not only for the people that they serve, but for themselves. <laughs> so this episode was recorded in May 2019 by our team for Serving Stories, and I've heard that since then there have been quite a number of developments with Serve the City in Estonia, and I was wondering if you could clue us in on those updates. Yeah, that's true. Actually, um, Serve the City has been active in Tallinn for, I think, almost 10 years. Um, but uh, not long ago, Lowry and his family um, had to move out of Tallinn uh, to a town about an hour away uh, to, to help take care of a family member. Um, so when they left, then it, it left the leadership a little bit uncertain um, in Tallinn. So that's a kind of to be seen. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be back at, at some point in the future. But um, meanwhile, in his new town, Sir Lowry is really quite interested to see Serve the City get started. Um, and Makar, who was in the episode um, from Tallinn, he has a heart to start Serve the City in a, in a town called Tartu. And then there's another leader who would like to start um, in another town called Hapsalu. So, in fact, our goal in Serve the City um, more and more is national movements. Um, so we see ourselves in a capital city, but then moving out into the country. So, you know, it's stories are like stories. You know, you don't really know exactly where it's going to head, but uh, it looks like there's some movement in Estonia, even if there's a little bit less activity in Tallinn. That's really exciting. Thanks for sharing. I mean, maybe we'll get to hear a future episode of Serving Stories in another Estonian town. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Thanks, Carlton. Thanks for joining us today on Serving Stories in Tallinn. I have been your host, Ani Deal. Serving Stories today was written and produced by Shannon Deal. Original music and technical production was by Parker Deal, designed by Jeremy Malengro. Special thanks to Lauri and Marilise Loide of Serve the City Tallinn for their beautiful welcome and hospitality. Join us next time on Serving Stories when we travel to Brussels, Belgium to serve breakfast to refugees and migrants very early in the morning and to gain a little insight into what brought them there. And if you want to find out more about Serve the City and how to get involved in a project near you, go to servethecity.net. <laughs>